just to let you know I won't be here next week, so do not look out for me. I know I'm normally late, but if you don't, if you start waiting for me, I won't be here. So just start without me. <laughs> um, a couple of thank yous, first of all, because one of the good things about what we do here is that we know who's speaking next week. So I can uh, go to that person who's speaking next week and say, look, I'm not going to be able to do my whole passage justice, let alone do a little bit extra as well. So I've asked him very kindly if he'll uh, take on an extra part as well next, uh, next Sunday. So my passage is actually going to be from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 21. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 21. Before we read it, again, um, it comes with a warning. I don't have all the answers, all right? Um, I can only tell you what I think the Bible teaches. So you are going to have to go away for yourself after this one and study it for yourself, and you come and tell me what you believe. Um, and again, as you probably know, but me by now, I could never do the Word of God justice in that sense. So always, always, whenever I'm standing up here, or anyone else really, I don't mind people, I'm sure people won't mind me saying this, when anyone else stands up here and teaches the Word of God, you be like what we call in the Acts of Bereans, and you go and study for yourself, and you find out what the Word of God teaches you. Okay? All right. Now, with that in mind, we're going to go to Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterwards, he, that's for Lord Jesus Christ, began going round from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. Mary, who is called Magdalene, I think Mary basically means that she's from a place called Magdala. So Mary, who is called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support of their of their, out of their private means. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were joining, uh, journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew, grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seeds fell into good soil and grew up and produced a crop of a hundred times as great. And he said these things, he would call out, he who has, after he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what his parables meant. And he said to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. I believe that's a quote from Isaiah chapter 6. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those in the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive with the word with joy. 
and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation or trials, they fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come, to, to come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, or anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he, he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And that's where we'll stop there. We're going to let John do the, the rest um, next week, if that's okay. Now, I'm not going to lie, I struggled when I came to this passage. Uh, it's, it's quite a difficult chapter, to, to, in my eyes anyway, to really um, study and look into and express. Thankfully, I read a guy called R.C. Sproul, I don't know if you know this guy, and he said that the parable of the sower, although it's explained to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, is still one of the hardest parables to ever understand. Because as he said in his, um, in his lecture, he said that there's so many different versions that commentators decide to choose and take from it. All right? So I'm glad he said that, because that's exactly how I found trying to study it. I found it very hard to study this parable. But we're going to see how far we get. Hopefully I'm going to be trying to be simple and we're going to try at least get some applications for what we can use for our daily life uh, in the coming weeks. By way of introduction, I've, I've broken up the chapter into, a, into many two halves. Okay? Um, the first half, verses 1 to verse 21, particularly what we have there is emphasis on the word of God. Okay, And what we find in this, uh, this, this passage is that the word of God, whenever it's mentioned, it always seems to be mentioned in a very positive way. Or the result of the word of God is always positive. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verse 1. It says that they were proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. What's the positive result? Well, you go verses 2 and 3 and just see who actually had their lives changed by that message as well and they started working with the Lord Jesus Christ to proclaim and to help preach in the kingdom of God verse 11 we are told that the parable is then the seed in the parable is the word of God and then what we find in verse 15 is that there is seed which goes in the good soil and there's a good produce. If you look at the Mark's gospel and Matthew's account what you'll find is that there's various degrees of produce from this seed. We might draw a lesson about that later on, we'll see. And in verse 21, he says, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God 
and do it. Well, what's the positive result there? Well, the fact that those who hear the word of God, put their faith and trust in the word of God, and do the word of God, have an affiliation to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, not just an affiliation, a family connection in itself. I think that's a positive result when you think about it. So we've got the first half, which is the word of God. Um, Not to step on John's toes, but the second half I've put over the power of God, or the power of the word of God. Okay, And what we see is that the power of God has power over storms, has power over spirits, and power over sickness. Okay, I've got the S's there. Storms, spirit, sickness. There's your headings, John. Okay? You can choose whichever ones you want. You can probably come up with better ones than me. So what we find then is that even then, the word of God is powerful, and the result of it is positive. When it comes to overstorms, we read that the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked the winds. And what happened? They were calm and still. All right? And it caused perplexion. The doozy was talking about this in his prayer this morning. But not only did he say, we rebuked the wind and the waves, before then, the Lord Jesus Christ said, let's go over to the other side. And what happened? Well, lo and behold, they got to the other side. Because the Lord Jesus Christ said, they would. He had power over spirits. In verse 29, it says, He commanded the word of God, He commanded the spirits to come out. And what happened? The demons came out of the man, and we find him clothed and in his right mind. And then we see, when it comes to ch- uh, the sickness, he goes, Child, little child, arise. And what happens? The little girl is revived. And she got up. Immediately, all right, immediately. So we have the word of God, the first half, the power of God in the second half. And I've broken it down further because I like to break things down because my mind is simple, okay? So I like things to be broken down. When it comes to the first half, when it talks about the word of God, we're going to look at verses 1 to 3 under the title, The Preaching of the Word. In verses 4 to 18, we're going to look at the title, The Parables of of the word, because there's two parables really there. Potentially three, but there's one illustration at the end. And then verses 19 to 21, we're going to look at the priority of the word. Preaching, parables, priority. Alright? So we're going to, that's how we're going to look at it, and we're going to see how far we can get. First of all, the preaching of the word. Um, David Newell writes in his notes on Luke, he says this, The methodical and the persistent preaching of the Lord Jesus is a model for all Christians today. For he covered every city and village in the vicinity, proclaiming the good news about the potential imminence of a long-promised Old Testament kingdom. All right. So what was preached? Well, we know it was preached was the kingdom of God. Now, I noticed this morning that Andrew's obviously been at work because the, the uh, podcast has been updated about an hour ago. All right, so Andrew, if you're watching or listening, thank you for that. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, I was going to explain my thoughts to the kingdom of God. However, what I'm going to do now, for time, you go back and listen to the podcast on Thursday, and you will get Andrew's ideas of what the kingdom of God is. If you want my views, come and speak to me afterwards. All right. 
What I will say is, this is fascinating when you go through the when you look look at what's getting taught, um, and I find it fascinating that all, we get these almost glimpses of what might happen if if if, if Israel accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah and King. You go to Matthew chapter eleven, and you almost get a glimpse of what would have happened to John the Baptist. All right, now you go and look at Matthew eleven verses one to sixteen, no, verse eleven to sixteen, and you let me know what you think of those verses afterwards. Okay. Um, but what we have here is a wonderful example of a Lord Jesus Christ seeking to proclaim or evangelize, which is the same word, okay, where he is. Now, if we can't get an application from that, I don't know what we can do, all right? Because it's our duty to evangelize, to proclaim the word of God in our vicinity. I'm not just talking locally now, I'm talking individually, so our families. Our work colleagues, our friends, okay, is our job to live out the Christian life so that people can notice us and see us, they see there's a difference in us. And when it comes to, we were talking about this yesterday actually, when it comes to working, obviously you've got to do it very carefully, all right? But when you get the opportunity, if an opportunity arises, we have to have a word in season. And how do we have a word in season? We need to know the word of God. Not just know it. I'm going to keep on telling you this. You've got to go and study it for yourself. Okay? You've got to go and study it for yourself. Okay? So we're preaching the kingdom. Again, go listen to the podcast. And look at, look at who is with them. We have the 12 disciples that are with him. And this is a, just a, a little note to the side. I always find it fascinating when we read in the Gospels, the 12 are with him. Or the 12 went out and they did wondrous things. Because one of those 12 was Judas Iscariot. And I find that a fascinating thing to think about. One of those 12 was Judas Iscariot. I wonder if that maybe is quite interesting, judging by what the parable is going to come later. Okay? But I always find it very fascinating to think about that the people who went out and who were with the Lord Jesus Christ while proclaiming this word was a traitor. Now that's interesting. All right? And I think it does have some bearing on what we read afterwards when it comes to the seed and the sower. All right. We also have some women and many others. We've got Mary, uh, we've got Joanna, we've got Susanna. I'm not going to push this point too much because the Bible doesn't. Okay? The Bible really doesn't. All right? But as you go through Luke, you're going to see that Luke talks about the women of God quite a lot. All right? You're going to see that they are instrumental in the things of God and the proclaiming of God. Okay? The Bible doesn't seem to make a massive point of this because the way I read the Bible is that's just natural. It's natural that, that all types of people should be saved, hear the word, do the word, and live out the word. Okay? But there seems to be this thing where, well we can't do this, or, or, or society that we live in suppresses these things. I, I don't see that in the Bible personally, okay? So I, I won't labour it too much because we can talk about it another time, maybe in the Bible study, we'll see. Um, <laughs> um, but we can, we can talk about it afterwards if you want to. But one of the points I really want to make about this is you look at the, the different social backgrounds here. Mary 
was someone who was, had, I think it was seven, many demons cast out of her, okay? Many demons were cast out of her. Seven demons had gone out, all right? Now, she would have been an outcast. She would have been the, the, the worst of the worst of society because of what she was doing and what she was, okay? One point about Mary, though, when it comes to, um, when it comes to what we read today outside of the Word of God, just be careful Let's just stick to what God's word says about Mary Magdalene, okay? So, we have Mary, who would have been a social outcast. We have Joanna, who would have been the complete opposite of the social scale, all right? She was high up in Herod's court. She was married to one of Herod's household managers, okay? And it's interesting to note that Luke talks a lot about Herod and seems to know a lot about them. Maybe this is why. Okay, but from a completely different social social background. Okay, now can I can I just suggest really because we read the disciples were from an array of different social backgrounds. These women were from an array of different social backgrounds. Okay, but they all had their role to play. They all had their part to play when it came to the things of God. All right. Now, isn't that true of us today? Forget outside, let's think about Bencham, where we are. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different ways of thinking. We all come from different upbringings as well. But we all have our place in this local assembly. We all have our part to play when it comes to this local assembly. Now, Something, I, was, I was chatting to one of my uh, um, friends yesterday, and something said which kind of triggered me, should we say. You know, the young one should the word triggered, okay? I was triggered yesterday, okay? Um, and it made me frustrated, annoyed, and I started listening to a song by Casting Crowns on the way home, just to cheer myself up. <laughs> and I, you probably know, if you know Casting Crowns, you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to read it, okay, I'm going to read some of the lyrics, and just pay attention to the differences that we read about here. It says, Did you hear about the city on the hill? Said one old man to the other. It once shined bright, and it would be shining still. But they all started turning on each other. You see, the poets thought the dancers were shallow, and the soldiers thought the poets were weak. And the elders saw the young ones was foolish, and the rich man never heard the poor man speak. Each one thought they knew better, but they were different by design. Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. And one by one, they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind. And the light began to fade in the city on the hill. But it was the rhythm of the dancers that gave the poets life. It was the spirit of the poets that gave the soldiers strength to fight. It was the fire of the young ones. It was the wisdom of the old. It was the story of the poor man that needed to be told. But one by one, will we run away with our made-up minds to leave it all behind as the light begins to fade in the city on the hill? It's just a warning, and it's in poetic language, which adds a bit more emphasis to it than I could ever do. And if you want a real biblical example, just think of the example of a body. Right? How can 
one part of the body say to the other, I've got no need of you. Right? So we here at Bensham are from all different types of backgrounds, but we work together with a common goal, the fervence of the gospel and the building up of the saints. And I hope that's how we feel today as well. All right. So there's my lesson when it comes to the preaching of the word. More about being in unity when it comes to preaching the word of God than to actually going out and preaching the word of God. So let's go to the parables. This is where I get nervous. We'll go to the parables now. And we're going to look about the parable of the sower, or better still, the parable of the soil. Okay, the parable of the soil. If you don't know what a parable is, a parable can be defined as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, when I was younger, I used to think a parable was something to explain to me, okay, something about the Bible, something about the Lord Jesus Christ wanted me to know. As I've got older, I've discovered there's a twofold reason for parables one to reveal and also one to conceal. Okay, because the Lord Jesus Christ said that himself in this passage. Parables were used to reveal to those who are willing to hear and listen and to obey. But to conceal to those who were not willing to listen, who were not listen, willing to obey. All right? And the Lord Jesus Christ uses parables throughout Luke, and he's going to start to use them more and more now. Remember we spoke about when I did it last time, we were in the identification stage. Okay? We're seeing miracles to show the Lord Jesus Christ as a Messiah, okay? We're now starting to get to that stage where we have the education, which is why we're going to see a lot more parables coming up in Luke's Gospel as well, okay? But the parable is of different types of, so uh, of soil, okay? And what we see is we have one which fell beside the road, and that was trampled on by men and devoured by birds. We have one that fell on rock, Okay, withered away for lack of moisture. One who one lot of seed that fell among thorns, and they were choked by those thorns. And then we have the good soil. The seed fell on the good soil, and that yielded hundred grains of each seed. All right. Now bear in mind, we're not talking agriculture today, where we plough the earth first, and then the seed goes in. All right. The idea here was we had a sower with a bag on his side, he would take it and he would just scatter it. So that's why we have all these different types of soils, because we would scatter it and then the wind will take it where it goes. Okay, so we have these different kinds of soils. A few things to notice first, okay. First of all, notice the sower, okay. And the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't specifically say he is the only sower, okay. So what that means is we're going to take this parable and take an application is that we too can be sowers. We too can sow the word of God. And notice when you get to the end, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't say it's the sower's fault that the seed fell on the bad soil. All right? It wasn't, there's no mention at all of that. All right? So a quick application, our job is to preach the word of God. All right. How it is heard, okay, is not the preacher's fault. Okay. Let's take the application in relation to Christian things as well. Okay. Our our job 
okay, is to listen to others preach the word of God, yes, but to study the word of God as well. How we receive that is really up to how our hearts have been cultivated. All right? What have we been doing this last week? What have we been thinking about? Are we prepared and ready to receive what we're about to read, understand, or hear? Now, I find that quite challenging, personally. I wonder if you might take the same challenge. Notice also the so went out. We're talking very differently now, because remember, if you go to the Old Testament, be careful how I say this, I hope I say it right, but when you go to the Old Testament, what you read of, you read when it comes to the, the Old Testament of a lot of other nations coming into Israel to see the temple. Okay, so Israel built a temple, it showed the wonder, it showed the splendor of God, and it showed who God was in that sense. And people would come in to Israel, into the temple to see. The Queen of Sheba went to Solomon to see the temple, all the wonder and the splendor. The Lord Jesus Christ now is talking about something very, very different. He's going out, all right? Can I put it this way? In the Old Testament, and when we're going to see that in the end of Revelation as well, the, the, the strategy is always is, is a come-in strategy, okay? Come and see, come and see. The strategy now, okay, is a let's go out strategy, all right? Now, you know where I'm going to go with that, so I'm going to leave it there, and you apply the application to yourself. We'll be going out strategy, not a coming-in strategy, all right? And how do we do that? Well, we go out and we tell others about the gospel. We say, look... This is what I believe. This is what I do. Okay? And we, we, we tell our friends, we tell our families, we tell our neighbours. And we open up the hall so they can come in. Yes, but we go out first. So if we want people to come in, we've got to first got to go out. Now that's a challenge for me because I don't like going out. I, I like, I'm quite happy just to be in. All right? So that's a challenge for me mainly. I'm not a fan of going out. I like being in. Okay? But anyway, so the sower went out, and he went to sow, all right? And I think the prepositions in this passage are quite important. That's one reading from the New American Standard. Listen to what it says. In verse 5, it, it fell beside the road. In verse 6, it fell on rocky soil. In verse 7, it fell among the thorns. And listen to verse 8. It fell into the good soil, okay? Into the good soil soil. So my personal opinion about this passage is that there's only one soil that produces fruit, all right? And if we're going to take the application of salvation, that is how I would take it as well. I uh, put the question in our family WhatsApp group about this, and it's amazing, even as family members, how often we disagree in certain things, all right? There's a few people, I won't tell you who, because I probably might be listening. There's a few people who uh, would take it, there's, there's, there's one or more soils that will produce salvation, if you put it in that way. Okay? Um, and others say, no, there's only one. Right? I'm in the category, I think, I think at the moment, there's only one. But I'm willing, I'm not willing to die in the hill for that, and I wouldn't build a church in it. Okay? But I think there's only one. Okay, so we have these different soils, and I think, if I'm honest, we can get different applications today. So whilst I believe that there's only one good soil that produces fruit, okay, I think we can get a lot of application for each soil, okay? So 
First of all, the Bible teaches, when it comes to explain the passage, that the seed is simply the word of God. That's it. The Bible tells us quite clearly it is a word of God. So what do we learn from that? First of all, we have as Christians a mandate to teach and to preach and to tell out the word of God. Nothing else. All right? Nothing else. All right? Let's have a look at the soil and see what we can learn. So we're going to go to the first one that fell beside the road, okay? And those who hear the word, uh, basically how it works was it fell on shallow ground. It fell and it almost, it was a superficial hearing. They heard the word, but it quickly was taken away. Quickly was taken away. So nothing was produced, nothing was useful because the seed lay, nothing happened, and the birds came and plucked it out of the, off, off, off the road. Okay, so it remained on the surface. The word of God remained on the surface. And we can, we know people where we can tell others about the word of God and it simply remains on the surface. But application only, application, okay. Satan will endeavor to rob us in this same way. All right, even when we hear the word of God or we read the word of God or we study the word of God, Okay, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a danger sometimes that we can hear it or we can come prepared in a very disinterested way. We're just here to sit down and listen and get on with it because it's what we do. Okay, there's a danger in that, is that we don't hear properly so we don't obey. Satan can come and he can take that away and he can deprive you, not of your salvation, Okay, you cannot lose your salvation, but it can, can, it can deprive you of the enjoyment of your salvation. Okay, so when we come to listen, when we come to read, we have to make sure that our hearts are in the right place to do so. Okay, rocks. Okay, ones that fell on rocks. All right, okay, where's an application there? Well, the ones that fell on rocks, they didn't do much growing. They tried, they did try, but they didn't do much growing. Right? Question for me. What about my growth? What about my growth? I, I can stand up here and I can give you the right impression. I can hide what I'm thinking. I can hide how I am. All right? And I can give you the right impression. I can say the right things if you want me to. All right? It's not what you guys see, though, about me, really. It's about what God sees. Okay? So it's not about how people look at you or how you come across or how people perceive you. Really, it's about what God sees in your life. Challenge. Are we growing? Are we really growing? All right? Listen to what Colossians, uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. He says this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Okay? So there are going to come in our lives, okay, testing, and we are going to be tested because of what we believe. Okay? Are we prepared for that? And are we prepared to stand? our ground okay let's go to the thorns okay we're going to go to the thorns now just quickly um, 
This is quite a simple one for application. There are many burdens that we face. There are many problems that we have in our life, and they'll be different for me as they will be different for you. All right? But whatever takes place in our lives, our priority should be the Word of God. Our priority should be knowing the things of God. And what we are going to find, really, is if we know the Word of God, if we're studying the Word of God, if we're constantly reading it and getting to know it more and more and more, those burdens which we have, they'll still be there, but they'll be lighter, can I suggest. And the priorities that we have, they should be pushed to one side so that God comes first in our lives. Okay? God must come first in our lives and then the good soil is in my opinion talking about a true christian a true believer in the lord jesus christ they've received the word and they've allowed the word of god to actually mold their life okay application then are we still allowing the word of god to mold our lives or are we saved and just happy that we're saved and that's it are we still wanting to know how God wants us to live our life? Are we obeying God's word? Okay. So there's your quick, I told you it's quick, in Malaysia, um, understanding what the parable is, but you need to go away and study it for yourself and come back and tell me what you think. Do you agree with me? Do you not agree with me? As long as you come back with me with proof, I'm happy. Okay, that's all I want. I want you to go away and study it for yourself and tell me what you think that each soil represents. Okay? So what we're seeing quite quickly, we're going now into a rapid pace to the next parable when it comes to parable of the lamp. Okay? So what we've seen in verses 4 to 15 is that we as Christians, if we're going to take the application, we are to hear and receive the word of God. Okay, now this parable about the lamp is flowing quite nicely, okay, from the parable of the sower to the power of the lamp, because what we're going to read now is that we are to hear and share the word of God. So if we receive the word of God, naturally we should want to share the word of God, okay? And it's a parable in that sense which is quite simple to understand. Okay, in my opinion, you've gone from a difficult parable to quite a simple parable to understand. Notice a few things there. Let's just notice two things. Okay? Notice the word uh, in verse 16. In my Bible, it says container. I think you might have vessel or, uh, in that sense, or you might have bushel or basket, depending on which version you have. Um, Really, what's interesting about this word is that it was used, first of all, as bushel. Now, bushel is a unit of measurement at that time, okay? It's used as a unit of measurement at that time. So we're not to be hide it under a bushel, or we're not to hide it under a container, and we're not to hide it under our beds, okay? Now, the application I've got for myself is quite... When it comes to the container, and we take the bushel, and we take the idea that the bushel is the unit of commerce, okay? I can get bogged down quite easily with my job, all right? I can decide that, well, actually making money is more important to me. Doing well in my job is more important. Building up my career is more important. I'm very careful how I'm saying this, because I'm conscious of someone who I work with in the room, all right? But just bear with me here, <laughs> all right? 
I'm not to, what, ha, what shouldn't happen in my workplace, I shouldn't let work stifle my spirituality or my, spirit, my, 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 my desire for the word of God. All right? That shouldn't be, my, my priority should not be money or work or career. My priority should be the word of God. All right? Look at the bed. Even more apt when it comes to me. All right? You could take the bed and you think, right, this guy, I love my bed. All right? I absolutely love my bed. Uh, that's why I'm always late. But, um, <laughs> but when it comes to that, you could, it, it could speak of comfort. Okay? Are we too comfortable in our lives to even think about the Word of God? It can speak of laziness. Okay? It can speak of indulgence. All right? It can speak of all these different kinds of things. But when it comes to the Word of God... Okay, we shouldn't let money or work distract us from shining our light. We shouldn't work being lazy or, 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 or comfort. We shouldn't let that distract us from being shining lights for God. Because that's what receiving the good soil, receiving the seed in the good soil is. If we receive the word of God, then like lamps, we're to shine bright, are we not? We are to shine bright. And what happens to a light? Okay, you switch on a light, you're hoping it's going to light up and illuminate where you're walking. Okay? So a light must be seen. And it's actually a Christian's responsibility to be seen in relation to how they live their life, in relation to what they do, in relation to being Christ-like. All right? Let's just quickly read 2 Philippians Philippians chapter 2, I think it's verse 12. Sorry, I should have just prepared. Um, so, yes, yeah, so verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. My mum used to quote this to me all the time. Okay? In New King James, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, if anyone else was brought up like that, please let me know. But I, I was quoted this all the time. All right, verse 13 For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I don't do that. Verse 15 So that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach, in the midst, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of God. We're getting the word of God and the light here, okay? Holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. So Paul is saying here, he's taught you these things, so please live out your Christian life so that I can then say, these Philippian believers who I have taught, they've been a light for Christ. All right? They've been a light for Christ. So what are we seeing about the soil? If we've heard the word, we need to, and received the word, we now need to share the word of God. Again, that's, that's a big challenge to me when it comes to that. And the challenge actually comes further down in verse 18 as well. It says, so take care how you hear or how you listen, all right? Because a Christian's responsibility is to shine, okay, and to shine out the word of God, one day our 
inner reality, shall I call it, one day who we really are will be exposed. And it will be exposed for what it is. Okay, I think if you go to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, you'll read that. Okay, so we are to shine out. And, and let's be very honest here. True Christians, true believers, okay, they are, they're going to shine out, aren't they? We're going to notice who they are. By their fruit, you shall know them, the Bible tells me. All right? So, quick application. The genuinely saved person will grow in grace. But false converts will lose even an outward veneer of Christian profession. It's therefore a very solemn thing to sit under the ministry of the word, for all hearers are accountable to God. So every time we sit under the word of God, we are accountable with what we do with that. Now that is a challenge. That's a really big challenge. I'm going to finish. I'm going to keep on going. I'm, I'm just going to finish this passage. And then, John, I'll, I'll let you take over next, next week. I promise. We're going to get to the last section, which is the priority of the word of God. The priority of the word of God. Okay. So what we had, we've had parables that have taught us that we have to hear and receive the word of God, and that we have to hear and share the word of God, now we have an illustration, not a parable, an illustration that we are to hear and obey the word of God. Okay, just remember these three. Receive, share, obey. There's your sections. Receive, share, obey. Okay? Now what we find in this small section is that it's actually quite powerful, okay? Because it's a powerful lesson, okay? It's a lesson in putting first things first, okay? I'm saying okay because I'm nervous, I think. Um, first things first. What do I mean by that? Well, the family of the Lord Jesus were coming and trying to see him. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was not um, being cruel. He wasn't putting his family to one side in that sense. He was just using the situation to illustrate a picture. Okay? Now, we know the Lord Jesus Christ was not cruel because he, he on the cross at Calvary, bear in mind, he's hanging upon a cross, and what's he do? He makes provision for his mother Mary with John, the disciple. All right? And then we also find that John and uh, Mary and John and, and the Lord Jesus Christ half-brothers and sisters, half-family members, they were in the upper room when the Lord Jesus Christ was, came and saw them after he res uh, was resurrected. Okay? And if you believe James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, then go and read what he says about the Word of God and hearing and doing the Word of God. Okay? Those who hear, do. Okay? So we, we, he's not, he's not poo-pooing his family. He's just simply making an illustration here. And what he's saying, what he's showing us, is that what comes first are the things of God. Even above family. Now that's difficult, isn't it? Even above family. But what comes first are the things of God. Okay? And he actually states in a positive way. He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So those of us who hear the word of God, share the word of God, and obey the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is quite happy to be affiliated with us. Now, I just think about who I am, how I act, 
And the fact that Lord Jesus Christ is willing to be affiliated with me is an act of grace, full stop. All right? But it's a wonderful picture. And, and the, the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is willing, not just to die, as we've been thinking about this morning, but to be affiliated with me, then surely I'd want to obey what he says. Surely I want to think about the rest of this week. What am I going to do? I should be obeying what the word of God teaches me. All right? I suspect also this illustration might help the fact that Luke's writing to Greeks, Gentiles, okay? And it might have helped their understanding that it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or you have blood ties that are Jewish. That's not what brings believers closer to God. Things that bring believers closer to God is the Lord Jesus Christ, is reading his word, is understanding his word, and is obeying his word. So what do we find out? Quickly, application. To have a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrated by an appetite for his word. And it's also shown in practical, practical obedience to it. I'll say that again without stuttering. So a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrated by having an appetite for his word, okay, and practical obedience to it. That's an application, and for me, it's a challenge. What does the Lord Jesus Christ say in John chapter 10? He says, my sheep hear my voice. That's good. But then he says, I know them, and they follow me. Okay, James chapter 1 says this, putting aside all filthiness that, and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourself doers of the word, and not merely hearers only. So we are to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Uh, David Newell when I was speaking to him about this, said this, he said, it's all too easy to read and to hear and even possibly to preach, okay, the word without truly fulfilling the condition of doing. All right? I think that's quite a, a good lesson. In fact, what we're going to finish on is the lesson from the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 14. It says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we love him, we should keep his commandments. This week, as we go about whatever we're doing the rest of this week, if we love him, let's try and keep his commandments. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we give you thanks once again that we live in a land where we can open thy word and we can teach from it and we can read it and we can study it. And we don't live in fear of being in prison for doing so. Our God and our Father, we thank thee that as we've opened thy word, we've been able to learn truths and applications which can affect us today. Whilst our God and our Father might have come in stumbling and nervousness, we would pray there might have been something which has been brought glory and honour to thee and to the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that there would be something which we are able to live by and to take an application for the rest of this week that we might seek to live more for thee. As thy word and as our Saviour said, if we love him, we should keep his commandments. 
So with that in mind, our God and our Father, we think of the rest of the day. We think of those who are going to hear the word this afternoon, and we pray for Andrew as he seeks to bring it. We pray for us helping to feel better, helping to feel prepared. And our God and our Father, we pray that it might um, be those who come and prepare to listen, really listen to the message of the gospel. And our God and our Father, we would ask that there might be good soil which is there. And we pray that as a seed is sown, it might fall into that good soil. Our God and our Father, not just when it comes to preaching of the gospel, but our conversations afterwards as well. We pray for help, we pray for guidance, and we would ask our God and our Father we might see blessing here at Benjamin in that way. We pray for each and every one of us, and we would ask that thou help us to walk with thee daily. We know it's a daily thing, our God and our Father. We know it could be a difficult thing, so we would ask that thou help us to continue to read thy word, to understand thy word, and to obey thy word. We pray that thou would help us to do so and help us, our God and our Father, in whatever we're doing throughout the week. We pray that thou would just be with the students as they go to university. We think, again, of those who are at work and those who uh, are retired. We do pray that watch over us and keep us safe. And we pray, ultimately, our God and our Father, we might seek to show forth the love of Christ to those who we come into contact with. As the, thy word would teach us, a saver of Christ to those who perish. We do ask for all these things and ask for thy help in these things. In the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you know why I couldn't do the, the next part. Thank you. 